This is Nicole, Liz, and Sarah, and you're listening to Books Untapped, a monthly book and beverage podcast. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite drink, and and enjoy. And welcome to the second episode of Books on Tap. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. It took so long for us to get set up. Like I'm just for you to see, like visualize what I'm doing right now. They're all sitting on the floor at a coffee table and I'm sitting on the couch with pillows surrounding me and a and a desk table because um, sitting on the floor hurts my back and I feel like a pretty, pretty princess up here. You are a pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> you deserve the world. What's everyone drinking today? We're all drinking beers from Stitch House, which is a local brewery in Wilmington, Delaware. A few years? It's been open for about 20, five years, I would 2017 say. 2017? Yeah. Says. Whoa. That was right. Fun fact, I went to high school with one of the owners of Stitch House. I wouldn't know me, who know my brother, but that's just the way the world goes. Um, Delaware for you. It is Delaware for you. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows everybody. Yep. Can't go anywhere without seeing someone you know. We laugh at the six degrees of Kevin Bacon because in Delaware, it's more like two. (laughs) Um, I chose the Big Stitch Nick from Stitch House Brewery. It is a pale ale, 5.6%. It's good. I'm not normally a typical pale ale kind of person. Like I said in the last one, I really like IPAs and the hazier, the better. I chose this beer because it had a football theme. It was named after a Philadelphia Eagles player. And the book that I'm going to be reviewing this month had a football theme. And so I wanted to keep with that. It's quite tasty. Nicole, what are you drinking? This month I chose El Sastre, which is a 5.5% alcohol content in this beer. It is a Vienna lager. I enjoy lagers, which is why I picked this beer. Um, Stitch House is a part of Wilmington Beer Week, which was last week. So a lot of the beers that were on their menu were in collaboration with other breweries in Wilmington. Uh, so I had a hard time picking one, but the waitress helped me pick out this one. It was pretty good. Because you wanted to do the one that was like exclusively from Stitch House and not a yeah. whole group. Oh. Correct. Yeah. yeah, exactly what Sarah said. So yeah, <laughs> the wait staff is very knowledgeable and very friendly there. I highly recommend. Yeah. Absolutely. But one that I did want to pick was a nitro and the waitress told me that was a bad choice because it would lose all its carbonation. So this lager is pretty good. Maybe when I go back to Stitch House, I'll actually just try the nitro because I like Yeah, that's it. a good idea. Yeah, because we're Road recording trip. this two days after we got our crawlers. And I am drinking, it is called Cherry Pit. It's a cherry sour. The ABV is 5.2%. So it's pretty sweet and pretty sour, but I like sour, so I'm enjoying it. It's nice and refreshing and it's really good. I recommend it if you like sours. I don't like a lot of IPAs. So I my options were kind of limited as well. So that's why I went with the sour. Whenever we would go to beer tastings and get the get the flight, we always knew that Liz is going to go for the IPAs, Sarah is going to go for the sours, Nicole is going to go for the lagers. Sometimes a pale ale. We get to try everything that way, though. I do it's really good. enjoy a stout, but only in the winter time. I can't oh, drink a absolutely. stout in the summertime, yeah. and I'd be out. I'm very much like a one and done with stouts. Like I can have one of them and then I want to switch to something lighter in mouthfeel, if you will. I know that the whole, oh, stouts have more calories, yada, yada. They don't, I know, but they just, they sit heavier. Yeah. I enjoy drinking stouts because 
since they're heavier, you can't just down them really quickly. And I'm someone that if it's in front of me, I'm just going to drink it. Uh, so a stout is heavier. So you kind of got to sip it. Sarah did mention though, that because you have to sip it, it gets warm. <laughs> but the the flavors all come out that you're supposed to drink them warmer not oh. super cold because you can taste more of the flavors oh. but i don't like drinking warm beer i only like drinking very very cold beer so it's just the more you know mm-hmm. so because it was wilmington beer week we wanted to visit one of the breweries that was involved in the the passport so stitch house was on our list is when we wanted to try so that's why we picked stitch house but it's actually a really cool brewery in Wilmington on Market Street. Yeah, we had a we had a problem finding parking, but I think there was an event going on at the Grand Opera House because we saw a bunch of people crossing the street to get over there. But there is parking behind the brewery. You can park on the street in any of the parking garages and then just walk up Maker's Alley, which I had never been down before. Looked really cute, like a nice place to go in the spring, summer nights. It's and- nice in winter too. They have big heaters, but when it's pouring, I don't yeah. recommend it. I'm sorry, because- it was raining and I was being a pretty, pretty princess. I did not want to get wet. It was so cold too. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 45 degrees outside, but that rain was so cold. And the- it was really windy. So... Don't go and walk around Wilmington when it's rainy and windy. No. And when you're not wearing Yeah. And when you're not wearing shoes, that can be (laughs) that can get wet. Yeah. (laughs) My fault. (laughs) The food was also really good. I got Brussels sprouts with Parmesan cheese and like a lemon glaze. Highly recommend. Anytime I see Brussels sprouts on a menu, I always get them. Like I know I can make them at home, but they're always better when someone makes them for me. (laughs) <laughs> and there's so many different like ways to make them that you want to see what each person does. Yeah. How they do it differently. Their take on the Brussels sprouts. I got a Caesar salad with shrimp. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I had a burger. I added the egg. I love an egg on a burger. Oh, me too. Nice runny egg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. It looked delicious. <laughs> Liz, it was. Fun fact, Liz doesn't like bacon. No, I don't. I love bacon. So I told the waitress to put it on the side so I could eat her bacon. Yeah. <laughs> I will eat turkey bacon, but I need it like separate from everything else I'm eating. It's just like a side dish. Yeah. I don't like it on anything. I yeah. Bacon wrap scallops. (laughs) Nope. No. (laughs) So if what we described sounds like a place for you, I highly recommend going 10 out of 10 experience when we were there. They're located at 829 North Market Street in Wilmington, Delaware. Yes. If you go, let us know what you got. Yeah, I would love to. We'll we'll have some Instagram posts that you can comment and tell us what you think. I highly recommend it. Tell us what you what you drank, if you got one of our beers and what you thought of one of our beers. So up next, we're going to discuss monthly book news and lit world news. And first up is Liz to discuss inaccuracies in books to movie adaptation from a BuzzFeed list that she found. Um, also, I we will share this BuzzFeed list on our link tree at in our Instagram and you can find our link tree in our bio. BuzzFeed put out a list recently about the top inaccuracies in book adaptations. And we picked a few that we are going to discuss because we have some thoughts. I will say for myself, normally I don't like book adaptations because of the different inaccuracies. It drives me insane when they change things. One that we're not going to discuss on the list, but I'm going to bring up in where the crawl dad sang, they changed the color of the cake decoration it was supposed to be pink and they changed it to blue and drove me insane throughout the rest of the movie because they changed it it was so stupid of a change that i couldn't believe it's just so unnecessary yes like just keep it original all right um first up is the setting in girl on the train oh in the movie 
it takes place in New York, but in the book, it takes place in London. That drives me insane. They did the same thing with Confessions of a Shopaholic, and it it was a character development for her to move to New York City. Yeah. And that was in book two or three. I could be, you know, I know it wasn't book number one. So, but that's a character development thing. Leave it in, woman. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Leave it in England. For sure. And and isn't Emily Blunt the main actress? Yeah, and she's, she's British. She's British. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and sure, it London is beautiful. No sense. Leave it in that. I have not read the book or seen the movie yet. It's also, on my TBR pile. They film movies in London all the time. I don't understand why they couldn't just leave it there. I mean, isn't London so much cheaper than New York City? I don't like New York City. No, it's just as expensive. Um, and I know this from TikTok. <laughs> I like to watch apartment tours. <laughs> oh, I do that on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. The, uh, this guy will go up to people and say, how how much do you pay for your apartment in New York City? And can I see a tour oh, of it? Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. They yeah. do it in London, too. And oh, I love it. I would tell the person, no chance. <laughs> I've watched one and the girl was so excited. She was like, yes, finally, it's happening to me. You want people in your home? Uh, they just he's really enough. popular so i've seen a couple where the girl was like yeah you can come in i watch your videos all the time oh cool <laughs> i guess that would be cool it would be like seeing brandon uh, the guy from humans of new york next up we have having voldemort disintegrate at the end of harry potter and the deathly hollows part two fun fact i've not read any of the harry potter so i haven't seen any of the movies either but you two have and have the tattoos to prove it what did you think about this i don't remember caring i'm not gonna lie i don't remember having any reaction to it so i guess it, to me it didn't have that big of an impact or maybe i just couldn't remember how the movie uh the book ended but the movie yeah After that juicy response uh, sorry Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me i was so far gone with the book to movie adaptations by that point because it was the very last one that two movie set was probably the best for me because they did it over two movies so they included more things but Harry Potter is, was like a huge part of my life and I was so excited for the movies and they just cut out so, so much that I thought was important. So I don't think I was that upset about it because I just expected it to be totally different by the end, you know. As a Harry Potter fan, when you went to the different lands in Universal, were you like, look at these deep takes on all the books? Apparently in the different areas, there are things that are, if you just watch the movies, you wouldn't pick up. But if you were a book, a fan of the books, you would notice. I was drunk. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. Do what not- is Liz's favorite story at Universal? What, what is it? Do you want a dervish and bang? <laughs> dervish and bang. Yes. That was, Ooh, that's the new start. Netflix and chill. <laughs> it, is. it is. And unfortunately for Nicole, when we were there, that's all I said. The time. <laughs> Obnoxiously <laughs> said it the entire time because I had no idea what I was looking at. So I just kept, you know, telling stupid jokes. <laughs> I can answer feel like I could answer that a little bit more. I don't think I was drunk when I... Maybe I was drunk. I don't know. <laughs> I could have been. I wasn't. I just don't remember. I think someone who probably freshly read the books could go into those lands and be... And notice every single detail or someone who really enjoys details but going in for me who doesn't remember as many details i just remember being all and all of the whole entire thing it didn't have to be very specific things i really enjoyed like going down nocturne alley that was a really cool detail that they added i made you go down it was a really dark area scary. oh that was cool 
And I didn't know what I was seeing, but that was. It was cool. They had uh, Death Eaters down there. Really? Just lurking. I really wanted to bring you. I brought you to the wrong party. It's okay. (sighs) Can you call her a friend? (laughs) I try. I can't pronounce it. Well, Molly from Mammoth Club. She always talks about, you know, if you're a fan of the books, this is a deep take or deep cut for you. And seeing as I didn't read any of them, it's just you know over my head i will say that diagon alley as a non-harry potter knowledgeable person really well done yeah without knowing anything about harry potter that is cool that is like i'm a disney fan we talked about this in the first one so when they have these immersive worlds done well i really appreciate that so yeah i brought my husband down there who hadn't read the books we just watched all the movies and he cried when he got down diagon alley He cried on that and he cried on the Gringotts ride. He's like, this is amazing. Yes, Gringotts is so good. I didn't get to do that. I know, it's my fault. I wanted you to ride Hagrid's Magical Creatures. It's the most amazing roller coaster I've ever been on in my entire life. That's why I didn't bring you to that park. But we couldn't get on it because they sold out of of tickets. The Dueling Dragon. It used to be a ride called Dueling Dragons. Yes. I've been on that ride. No, this is a, they got rid of that ride and rebuilt this other ride. Yeah. Okay. And you ride a motorcycle. It's amazing. So unbelievably amazing according to the reviews it's also closer tied closer to the books than the movies so they kept that intact but i wouldn't be able to tell you any. i didn't get to ride that either it was still dueling dragons and someone didn't want to ride it oh that was a really fun ride it was too scary you would like mm-hmm. be on a roller coaster and your feet would like be going towards the other people and you'd be like ah, i cool. love roller coasters all right the next one is casting fred and serena in the handmaid's tale as quite a bit younger than they were described that also drives me insane when they do that we have talented actors and actresses of all ages and you didn't have to do that now i do really like the actress who plays serena i loved her in chuck so it's nothing against the actors play these roles it's just I hate when they change the ages. They think that we're st- viewers stupid or something. It's an easy thing to stay true to as yeah. well. But you were saying. Well, I think the difference between a TV show and a movie is that you have to, the, that book is a single book. It's a standalone novel. It's not a series, The Handmaid's Tale. So the show, I think they're on their fifth season. So you have, you have to, to have a lot more longevity in the series. Like the book, if you watch the series now, has what's going on in the book and what's going on in the show are very different so i think that casting serena and her husband which i can't remember his name what was it fred 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 yes uh alfred that makes sense uh casting serena younger created longevity in the show because she has a pretty prominent storyline right now in season five but the main character isn't her age isn't changed and she has to be there all the season she i would say serena is a main character i stopped watching i drove me into that I had to stop watching. Um, she, but there is a sequel now to Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. I would say Serena's character, she has to be younger for the storyline that she has. She can't right be now. an older yeah. lady. Yeah. And then they also took away from the book. Not no, that no. anybody read the sequel to Handmaid's Tale? No, but I think that the Handmaid's Tale sequel takes place far in the future, whereas this is taking place during the same time as the Handmaid's years, Tale. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is taking place uh, to within, I would say, a year or two of the beginning of the series of the yeah show the show is so just expanding on the book they're yeah. not they're not changing things they're just expanding on what happened yeah the they're book. creating their own storyline because there's only so far if you because you read the we we all read it there's only so far you can go with the the storyline of that book it kind of ends and that's it but this is going way farther deeper and farther yeah yeah because this is a tv show now oh fine <laughs> all right well now here's one that i have actually read the book and seen the movie 
Peta never losing his leg in the Hunger Games drove me insane in the movie theater when it happened or didn't happen. They could have all the different special effects in that movie. They could have easily green screened his leg. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't do that. Yeah, I also wonder. I wonder if it just made it easier for them to film with him having two legs. It's the only thing I could think of. They could have made him pants with a green bottom part and they could have just cut it out. Do this all the time. They make yeah. people younger. They make Chris Evans like 100 pounds skinnier in Captain America. That's true. Yeah. They could have gotten rid of uh, Peter's leg. What's our next one? We are going back to Harry Potter. Uh-oh. You need to circle back. Harry Potter's parents always looking in their 40s in the films, despite in their, being in their early 20s when they died. There's another age thing. Why couldn't they make them the right age? I don't know why they did that. My only assumption would be is like older parents are more believable. The books are the movies are for kids. So kids would believe that was his parents because they were older. Because they looked like parents. Because they looked but like the books their parents. Were also for kids. Right. So the older parents in the book in the movie, well, kids can't visualize what a 23 year old looks like. <laughs> I remember everybody would just look old. <laughs> then I became yeah. 23 and I was like, <laughs> I was crazy. Yeah, to think 23 year old was real old, but that's the only reason I would think just to make them look more like parents and something that a kid could relate to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. That's my own. That's the only reason. Because it does. It does look like if if they had were still alive, that's what his parents would look like. Yeah. Like they would be those ages. So maybe one day I'll read the books and watch the movies. Eh, you're good. You probably won't happen. You really don't have to. Another one that I read the books and watched the movies. So I was a reluctant reader to start the books is twilight twilight that's all i had to say with that's all i remember when they were coming out it was just all of the young tweens screaming twilight nicole were you one of those young tweens no i screamed it in my head i don't want attention i don't want anyone to know that i was doing something at all (laughs) respect okay so alice having a vision at the end of twilight breaking dawn when she's not meant to be able to have visions that include the werewolves it's probably the least of my concerns i i mean i did read all the books and i saw all the movies but there were so many changes i mean i think that the first book the first movie excuse me was the best one because it was it kept more in line with the book i think each one of them i mean the easiest thing it's supposed to be rainy and jury and all the other ones looked Bright and sunny and cheerful. How are those skin not on fire? Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite. We'll just put sunglasses on. <laughs> they, the sun can't see them, me yeah. if I can't see it. It doesn't matter. Uh, they, they've discovered it didn't matter. People were still going to spend a ton of money watching the movies. Yeah. yeah, The logic is not important. No, they're still going to love it. And her hair <laughs> changed. You always have a pixie cut and like her hair change every time. Oh, and then the wigs. Oh, the wigs drove me insane. Just dye your hair. Going back to the Hunger Games, uh, I also didn't like her wig, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's wig. And I read recently that it was like a thousand, a couple thousand dollars for that wig. And I'm like, it wasn't good enough. What wig? Her like braided hair was a wig? Uh, Not the first season, not the first season, the first uh, movie, but the following movies because she has blonde hair. So she didn't want to keep dyeing her hair dark. Listen, not that anyone would ever pay me money to be in a movie, but like you could pay that much money, dye your hair. It's not that hard dye your hair especially from light to dark from uh dark to light mm-hmm. is a whole different story that's yeah. really difficult but from light to dark isn't that yes. hard yeah i like also like if you know again not an i'm not an actor it's like if you know that the actor's supposed to be like this you're like actually i feel like playing it this way i'm like that's not what that's not the job you you were hired for like no play it 
the way it's written. And then and like, I think I know this character. I'm like, I think the person who wrote the character knows it better. But, you know, and they said your hair is supposed to be dark brown. <laughs> well, they often don't get consulted when the movie's being made. That would drive me bonkers. Yeah. And, that, and as a, I mean, I did listen to one author who said that she likes it when they change the books. But as a reader, I hate it. Like, I don't like it either. A good author creates the picture in your head and now you just want out of your head onto the screen say that all the time and so when they change things especially something stupid like hair color yeah it's so distracting as a viewer yeah little things like that i never really understand stood but bigger things i usually understand why they change it because a book is very long compared to a movie Mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to change things to make it make sense in the movie and i found that happening a lot with harry potter over time i also did enjoy the harry potter movies as they went on i didn't like the first two they stuck to the book very like strictly and then as it went on i enjoyed the changes i actually really did like the changes that they made in it Uh, and i found that over time i understood a little bit more why they made changes because books are again books are really long so sometimes you have to make a change to make the story make sense but when it comes to like hair color which is like harry and harry potter it's really important for harry to have the color eyes of his mom he does not he doesn't in the movie oh that would drive me insane it was like some contact the the, he was described as looking exactly like his dad but he had his mom's eyes and like everyone recognized that he had his mom's eyes and that's like why like professor snape hated him so much because he could like see his mom's eyes and uh no he they have totally different eye color yeah i think the mom has brown eyes or something in the movie no i couldn't or something that would that'd be a deal breaker i couldn't let's go through seven movies of that no yeah eight <laughs> eight movies it was eight movies okay yeah sorry. part eight one movies. and part two. Oh, that's right okay see Haven't yeah once them. they made harry potter the last one into two movies all of those big series did that like breaking dawn became two movies and um hunger games hunger games yeah when not it was not necessary. i heard it's like every hundred pages is one hour of filming so if a book's 400 pages for four movies yeah. so you got to do some kind of kind I- of a splitting I think it would be cool, and I don't think that J.K. Rowling should get any of the money for this, but they should eventually make Harry Potter a series, like a TV show, mm-hmm. and that would be really cool. My husband's friend told me they're making a TV show on HBO. I don't know if it's going to be related to Harry Potter or just the Wizarding World, but he told me that. I haven't looked into it because I've kind of just don't really pay much attention to Harry Potter anymore. But um, but back to Breaking Dawn. Yeah, I remember sitting in the movie theater because I went and saw the midnight release of that. And I remember sitting in the movie theater. Like, Hardcore. Like one does. I remember sitting in the movie theater and seeing that and my jaw was just on the ground. And I was like, what is happening? Why is this happening? What, that it was going to be two movies? No, that uh, Alice saw a vision because that doesn't happen in the book. She doesn't see a vision. So I'm like, this is wild. What is like, did they completely change it that they're going to kill everybody at the end? Spoiler Spo- alert. Yeah. They're going <laughs> to kill. <laughs> if you haven't read Twilight by now, I mean, you're in the book. No one late. dies at the end. And everything's just kind of resolved. But in the movie, everyone dies. And I'm, I remember I was like, what is happening? Oh my God. They changed it so much, but it was just a vision. And again, I'm going to be a devil's advocate. I understand why they did it. It brought a lot of shock shock factor to that part of the movie. People were talking about it. People were shocked. Everyone in the audience at a midnight premiere, they gasped. They were screaming. So like, I get why they did it. Not at this point in my life. I'm not mad at them. At that point in my life, you know, 20 year old Nicole was very upset. Yeah, I remember the I wasn't there at the midnight. But I remember the audible gas. Social media wasn't as big, so people didn't ruin things for everybody else back then. But I remember, and then looking at my friend 
with jaw drop going, that's not how the, it's how it is in the books. What, what are they doing? This isn't how it's supposed to end. And then, you know. Wait, the whole movie ended that way? Uh, it's just a vision. So they, they, she comes out of her vision and then everything's back to the way it was before the vision. But you don't know it's a vision until yeah. she comes out of her vision. There's a war happening. People are dying. People are fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, and it was in like her Edward vision. goes over the oh. edge. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm more, I'm more on top of my TBR list than you are. It's a shocker. But Edward goes over, right? I don't remember. That was the big, like when he went, every, there are other people who died. Someone's head got and chopped yes, off. Yes. Yeah. And in like, <laughs> okay, you could hear this. like the anger and the disappointment in the audience when that was happening. Everyone was like, what the heck is going yeah. on? Uh-oh. Don't you touch your hair on Pretty Little Edward Cohen's head. Uh-uh. You don't do that. No, no, no. Pretty boy. I was shipping him real hard back then. So for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was team Edward. A hundred. No, actually, guys, I was team Switzerland. That was a big thing back then. What does that mean? Uh, that you were neutral. You didn't care which person she ended up with. Oh, why didn't you care? Because I did like both characters. Oh, you wanted her to be with both of them. I did. But as an, you know, she could have just been with both of them. Everyone would be happy. That's fine. Just be polyamorous, Bella. Right? Bella. Bella. Um, but as an adult, I think I would have, have preferred her to be with uh, Jacob. Edward. <laughs> no, I was a big fan of not like Edward Cullen, but Robin Pattinson singing. Like I remember, I still have a, you know, back in the day, kids, we used to burn songs on CDs, completely illegal. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. But all of his songs. Yeah. Um, not just on the trial, but then when he was, oh, I feel like recording him was he was in. England and he would do little public shows. He has an amazing voice. I like weird voices. I call them weird, unique. It's one of my uh, favorite bands that I've seen a lot is Our Lady Peace Reigns. His voice is so deep and different. different. I, I, you know, you know so Robert Pattinson's singing voice is also very different it, and loved it. If you don't, that our intro song to the podcast, but make a Robert Pattinson song. Yeah. I mean, there is one. Um, if you don't know what he sounds like, which you probably don't recognize what he sounds like, right? I don't know. He sings in Twilight. Like, he does his sing songs in, Twilight. in Twilight. So the part in Twilight, I'm 99% sure in the very first movie, the part that his song is playing is when he's sucking the venom yes. out of Bella's arm in the ballet studio. We are playing it after we're done recording. I can't believe we're still talking about Twilight. <laughs> we're oh. doing a whole podcast just yeah. on Twilight. We can. We can spend another hour. Apparently. Speaking of Twilight... My book news for this month is more Twilight. Stephanie Myers announced that she is going to be writing two more Twilight books. What? Why? Why? Money. Yeah, is she I, running out? I guess, but... Twi- Write so something I- different. Twilight had a resurgence recently, and I think it's because one of the streaming services, I think it was Netflix, added the movies to their streaming services. Damn kids. So people are like, what? Like kids who were too young to be reading Twilight when they came out or weren't born could be both. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're definitely right about that. They saw that it was coming out and wanted to read the books. So they got popular again. So she probably saw the resurgence and wanted to write some more for the new generation. That's my only assumption. I don't actually know that that's the answer. My problem is I don't want to read them. I guess maybe teenagers are, are going to be them. like for teenagers. Like, what are they going to be about? So the article I printed from Book Riot 
announcing the two more Twilight books states that she said she likes writing fantasy and mythology. So she's going to probably base it a lot around that. But if it's two more Twilight books, then it's going to be in that world. So I have no idea. She yeah. does. She does. I don't think she really knows either. She just knows she's going to be doing it. Oh, I mean, Good she did her. the host, which got removed. But I read. I did not read the host, but I read oh, the chemist, was, and yeah. chemist was her adult, you know, first adult novel. And I did like the chemist. I'm looking at my reviews. I gave it four stars, which is pretty good for me. It's very rare I give any book five, and I quite enjoy that. But I don't think it received a lot of good reviews, and so I guess for her, you know, what was also going to pay the bills, stick to what she's yeah. At or I was at an author panel one time, and it was about paranormal type you know authors for teens and they asked an author what made you want to write paranormal and she goes i didn't it's just what people were buying and my publisher said that they would you know yeah. print for me so i had Here to write I am. Not, yeah yep. what i want to write but it's what pays the bills you gotta get a job yeah so i mean and... i'm personally probably won't read it i probably will um but i'm not like jumping at it i'm i'm okay with twilight being done sometimes i think it's good to let things rest did you read Twi uh midnight sun I didn't. I didn't go back and read. No. Did you no. read it? No, I won't read that. Well, it's the same book from his perspective, right? It's the same yeah. book from his perspective. I think I was just not interested. I don't care anymore about Twilight yeah. when it came out. Like, there's so many books yeah. to read that I don't need to go yeah. back to is, what I enjoyed when I was 17. Is that why the lady made the Fifty Shades of Grey from his perspective, too? Because Stephanie Meyer did that? No, well, Fifty Shades of Grey, well, I guess, it's yeah. It's the fan fiction of Twilight. Yeah, the fan fiction that they did from hers, and they, I did read his version of that one and it was terrible i couldn't finish it it was not saying the 50 shades of grade was like written really well but like i you read the fanfic Shen? you ran the fa fanfic of it what did you read i'm confused she i started reading 50 shades of grade before it was published when it was fan you, fiction that okay. she had to like take it off because oh. it was going to a publisher and they said well you can't give it away for free online anymore mm. which makes sense but then i also did the so there's the three 50 shades of gray books and then there was just the gray which is his side of the first one and i couldn't i could not i the amount of inner dialogue going through his head as cheesy as it was his inner goddess, i couldn't do it his inner goddess wasn't great Tracking back to Midnight Sun, um, a really good friend of mine did read it, and she told me it was not good. It's very bad. Shocking. <laughs> she said it wasn't worth your time. It was longer than Twilight, which it shouldn't be. Shouldn't be longer than Twilight. And he, Edward, is a terrible person the entire time. You you don't relate to him the way you did in Twilight, or the way you relate to Bella in Twilight. Well, but in, well because he's, he thinks of himself as bad. Bella's the one who thinks uh, we're not being bad. He's not the villain. He's not the bad guy. Right. Like, he sees himself as a bad guy. Oh, that's what my t-shirt says. Maybe I am the bad guy. <laughs> Sarah has an Edward <laughs> Cullen uh, t-shirt. I meant to wear it today. It's so good. No, she said that he's bad. Like, Bella shouldn't... Uh, not that he's a villain. Kelly, who is the person who told me she read it, is my childhood best friend. She said that he is just like super misogynist. He's just not oh. a good, he's not a good partner. You wouldn't want him as your partner. He's the, the things he says about Bella in his own voice are bad. So terrible. he actually is a villain, but she just didn't know. Right. Yeah. But then you love Rap, Edward, loving Edward and wanting wanting my own Edward and to also be a vampire, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is always my thing with the vampireism. I will always say that it's not it, the way I 
Sarah thinks it's hilarious. I'm not kidding you when I tell you I wanted to see raw core vampires. It's everybody's had a moment that they wanted to stop forever and live within that moment forever. And vampirism is that personification of that feeling. Just want to be stuck and you know loving where you are and just being able to stay there. And that I think is what vampireism is. If you want to summarize it up, I know there's a different you know living forever or what have you or just being. The exotic, new, shiny thing. Glitter. He did glitter. Sparkle. But I think it is that whole, I mean, how many love songs are, are talking about being stuck in one moment and living in it forever? Or other romance novels. So I think that that, for vampirism, is a lot of, you know, what Edward drew it into. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because it was the high school love and honor the person who was madly in love with the person they were dating in high school and that was going to be the forever and sweetie or in high school with a spoon yeah Yeah. you have a whole life to go through before you even can think about forever my favorite vampire thing though is what we do in the shadows it's a great tv show and well it's based on a movie that's also very good is that the comedy docuseries yes yeah it was good that's good i actually recommend you watch it liz i think you'd really like it it's hilarious when was it filmed recently oh Oh, so I have ten years. They, <laughs> the um, they're like still coming out with seasons. Yeah, it's oh. it's an easy thing to watch. Like you could put it on the background and still understand what's going on. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. So hilarious. Side note, I would just like to point out that we probably spent forty minutes. <laughs> I could continue to talk about I Twilight. I feel like it's gonna be all. This about- is not the Twilight podcast. My, my last little snippets. That's your next podcast. My last little snippets on Twilight. My fun facts that I wanted to tell you guys to to tell you a little Ooh, bit I love more. Fun facts, and they're not facts about Twilight. They're facts about Nicole. Uh, when love those I, even more. It was to picture it. It's 2008. Nicole's a senior in high school. Barack Obama. I'm not kidding you. Barack Obama was just elected president. And I am sitting in my English class while everyone's talking about how great it was that Barack Obama is pre- president. And I'm convincing my 70-year-old English teacher to read Twilight. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> and I What did he say? He said he'd read it because I wasn't the only one. There was a girl next to me who was also a diehard Twilight fan who was also conv- like we Remember were teaming that up on him. He used to come to the library and she like was obsessed with Twilight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what she doing. I, I don't know. We haven't seen her in a long time. I actually had to read Twilight for a my young adult course in grad school and it was the only time i ever participated in class to say that i hated the book and i thought it was trash i love that <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. i was like went in that room and i was like i have things to say yeah i was never going to read it myself i was like y'all are crazy i've never screamed for a book ever in my life or rushed barnes and noble or whatever i mean we had smaller uh bookstores when i was growing up orders now even smaller like oh no yeah i can't even think of the names but there's be one in pike creek shopping center i remember having to go there and for a book thing and my dad i uh, think i read a book report and so i bought ramona and Beezus and ramona forever <sighs> oh yeah those are my favorites um and i remember having to i remember going there and just being so excited got to pick out two books i mean grant i've loved the library so that was nothing but it get to own two books what yeah i always got like walden books gift cards for my birthday yeah. walden as, books. Like, that a, was, thank you a little kid like yes. walden books is i think was owned by borders that's a where actually i got twilight the cashier convinced me to buy it 
Aww. I'd like to go back in time and slap that. Cashier. No, and then I read it, and I remember Kelly coming over to visit, and I took the book and I threw it at her, and I was like, "You have to read this," and then she loved it. It's great, <laughs> good times. I, I've never felt. I'm not gonna lie; I haven't felt that way about a book in probably ten years. So while the book they were good is, feelings, while the books are were great. I mean, were not great. I had really good fond memories of reading them in that experience yeah i miss it <laughs> i mean that's what a book can do it's i don't fine. miss convincing my high school english teacher to read it though I, I cringe about that a lot no it's hilarious i think we can wrap up this twilight talk yeah please and I'll... maybe not talk about it next episode no it's gonna come it's up it's gonna happen <laughs> it's, Sarah. it's on the agenda yeah <laughs> my book news is some recent controversy with Roald Dahl his books are going to be changed but also the regular original texts are still going to be published so originally they were going to be updated to remove some of the the wording that's a little bit offensive and so they were going to be edited to remove some of that language but then lots of people are saying, you know, that's censorship and we're really upset about it. And so I have an article from Entertainment Weekly that talks about what the, the ultimate decision is. So it says his books may have been updated, but the original text will still be available. Though his books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda have been beloved for decades and have been adapted multiple times into films, they've also attracted criticism over time due to their use of stereotypes and potentially uncomfortable language. So earlier this week, Penguin, who published his books, the British division Puffin Books, announced that they've teamed up with sensitivity readers to publish new editions of his books. Among other edits, they would delete words like fat, ugly, black, white, mad, and crazy in an effort to make them less offensive for contemporary readers. But then there was a lot of backlash about that being censorship. And it said in the wake of that backlash, the publishers backing down a bit, a rep for Penguin told Entertainment Weekly that there are no plans for similarly edited versions of his books to be published in the U.S. And the Associated Press reported on Friday that even in the U.K., the original editions will be published later this year as the Roald Dahl Classic Collection. It says, we also recognize the importance of keeping Dahl's classic texts in print, Penguin executive Francesca Dow told AP. By making both Puffin and Penguin versions available, we are offering readers the choice to decide how they experience Roald Dahl's magical, marvelous stories. So that is my news update for you. Do either of you have an opinion on those changes that were going to be made? Are you for or against it? I, I remember them being offensive, but I think if I went back and read now, I'd be like, that's mean. Yeah, I have it from like an English teacher's point of view where you don't censor anything that we read when you're in school because it gives you an insight of what the times were like when it was written. Exactly. And I, think, I think that's the point that everyone was making. Yeah, we we're just, not going to go back through every single book then. Yeah, we just cringe at them and say, all right, right, let's." we know better now. Let's not do that. Right. Now, if a book was just published and I had some of these offensive or offensive things for more sensitive readers, then we would have a problem with that. But that was published how many years ago? Yeah, it's really. I'm, well, gonna, I I'm not going to lie. I don't know when those were published. 1964. Yeah, so the 60s were different. 1988, the year of our Sarah. Oh, I didn't realize Matilda was that new of a book. All right. So what kind of bookish events did you guys attend this month? Liz and I went to a pretty cool event at the Wilmington Public Library. It was a cocktail party with author Sadiqa Johnson. It was an after hours event. You could buy the books and hear her talk. Oh, and what book did she write? So the book was The House of Eve. And on the day that we went, it had just been announced that she was picked for the Reese's Book Club for that month which 
is so like getting the holy grail. I mean, yeah. you are getting her book group, Oprah's think to the today show yeah any of those you're guaranteed yourself success i feel like the reese's book club is the new oprah has become yeah Yeah. if if her name is one from a few years ago that we were like all trying to read but it was like her first one of her first picks and we couldn't get our hands on it for a long time I think it was where the crawl dad sings. yes that would be my assumption i still haven't read it that was one of her first ones i think and you know how successful that book was yeah, you, that is for any author. I have to imagine that is a you huge get. Yeah. yeah, and it looks great. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested. Obviously, I haven't read it yet because I'm behind on life, but I am looking forward to it. She was super nice to me. I felt bad. We waited in line to meet her and to get her book signed. Um, we'll put pictures up on her Instagram. But she also had to get a train in like 15 minutes by the time we got up to her. Oh no! And the director of the Wilmington Public Library is super friendly. He's done amazing you know, things at the library. Jamar Raman, yeah. Yeah. The amount of different events and, you know, bringing the community in is amazing to see. And he was really nice, but he came over and he was like, okay, I'll take a picture, but like, she needs to go. <laughs> she was super nice about it too. But I've just felt so bad. Uh, it was a very, it was a diverse crowd that came out to see her. Everyone seemed excited. Uh, I have not read Yellow Wife yet. Has any either of you? Mm-mm. But other people had in the audience and were asking really great questions. It was good to hear the feedback from the audience and see their love for her. I hope all the success for her. And I hope to have more of these events in Delaware. I think we have a bunch of really big authors coming to Delaware in the summertime that I'm looking forward to. Should I spoil alert now? Yeah, yeah, who are you going to see? So our listeners Lisa can keep Lisa coming to Delaware. Oh, wow. That's we awesome. We have not had Lisa Scottolini that I know of come to Delaware. And if you look at her summer schedule, she's going to very few libraries. And we got her. Oh, great. Which library? Down Lewis Library. Oh, so it's in collaboration with Browsebot Books, which is the local bookstore. Amory Howith, I do also go to a lot of their events. And speaking of their events, one of my favorites, Ellen Hudebrand, will be coming back, coming back oh, again this year. And she is always the go-to book for a great summer read. If someone comes into the library and they have this romanticized idea of sitting on a beach reading a book and who do I need to read? She's an easy author to go to. And you know, if you hand her one of her books, not only are they going to read the book and love it, but then they'll come back in and ask for more books. So, yeah. and she has a lot of options. Yes, she does. My mom really likes her. Maybe I'll bring her to that event. Yeah. They're, and they're very realistic. Time. It's on father's day down at the beach. Okay. Uh, my my father will love that. I, that's why I always joke with my You're, brother and my and my father that that's what they want to do for Father's Day is, you know, wait for us to get our book signed. <laughs> but she's super friendly to me. Fun fact, when she used to be at Book Expo, there would always be a Corona stand. And she was my favorite author to me. <laughs> Just because as you're waiting for her, and it was at the end of the day from four to five, while you're standing on concrete for seven hours and you're just... That Corona's nice never corona. tasted so good. And again, she's super friendly. Her books are great. Her, all of her characters are realistic. I know it's not an Elden Hinderbrand buzz. It's a Sadiqa Johnson, but just a little tidbit of what's to come. So something really cool that I learned at the author event was Sadiqa created her own publishing house because she was having a really hard time being published by other publishing houses. So women getting it done. Yeah. And this book... um, will be cool because it's it's um takes place in philadelphia and washington dc which is near us 
So I always love to read a book where I maybe will recognize something. I started it. reading it based on what Sarah just said. I started reading it and she does talk about being in North Philly oh, and cool. needing to get to South Philly, which I thought was pretty cool. It was also pretty easy. I got through like the first 50 pages in an hour. Oh, I, recommend, great. I recommend it. Nice. Speaking of, we have a copy. <laughs> Woo! So we got an extra copy. They had extras at the event and it was buy one, get one free. So we bought four copies and now we have an extra one that we would love to give to someone. Signed. One of our listeners. It is signed by her. I have a picture of me and Liz getting it signed. If you need proof that it was signed <laughs> by her, <laughs> we will put it up on Instagram as a giveaway. Not sure of the details yet. We'll have that on our Instagram. Yeah. We'll make a post with the cover and, and give details of that as well. So just keep an eye out for that. So if you're not following our Instagram, please follow us on Instagram at books on tap. The event I attended this month is called was called an evening with Bernie Sanders. It was an online Zoom talk with Senator Bernie Sanders that I attended on March 13th. He basically discussed his new book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, which was published by Random House, and this event was hosted by Random House. For the first 30 minutes, he talked about what he wrote about in his book, which was what's going on in our country for working families and how can we make things better for the working class and what's going on with our economy and the people on top. And he basically just talked about, you know, just some different ways that we can all work together to make things better for the majority of the people in our country. I really enjoyed the event. I love Bernie. I love hearing him speak. I think he's very motivating, especially, I mean, he's just very motivating to me. So I enjoyed it. The last half was great. It was a question and answer session. So people who were on the Zoom call were able to ask questions. He gave a few book recommendations. So if you like Bernie and you want to know um, a little bit more about what he's been reading, he would recommend Noam Chomsky, Manufacturing Consent, writings of Eugene Debs, who um, started the Socialist Party. So both of those sound interesting. He gave advice for how to get involved in politics. He said, take a look at the world you're in now. How do you want to make it better? What can we do? And so I really enjoyed it. Again, I'm a huge Bernie fan, so I thought it was great. And I'm looking forward to reading his book. Our last event of the month is that we all attended an Art of the Beer Can show, which was part of Wilmington Beer Week. So that was the first week of March that we went to that. It was really cool. It was low key. We saw three local artists who had made art for different breweries. One was Photography with Joe Hadenot from Twisted Irons Craft Brewing in, and I believe that one is in Newark, right? It yes. is. The next one was Pat Higgins, and he designed the cans for Wilmington Brewworks. And the last one was Sassafras Studio, Sarah DeFlavis from Belfront Brewing Company. It was really cool to see all the art from all the artists. They were all quite talented. I really do enjoy cool beer can labels. There is one brewery in Delaware that has amazing... Miss Billion? Miss Billion is also amazing. First Day Brewing, who I also gave a shout out to. The oh, last yeah. one, they have some of the coolest and also cutest beer can labels. And I do appreciate that as a beer drinker. You know, it's just like with wine, they say don't judge it by the label. Yeah. But some artists went through a lot of trouble. Yeah. And it was Same cool to see that they're like real people making these things mm -hmm. for us to enjoy. Very cool. If I ever put stuff on my wall. I would want stuff like that. My walls are very boring in my house. Uh, there was one guy. He had a really cool alien piece that I really liked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was Pat Higgins for Wilmington Brew Works. So if you enjoy aliens or, you know, cartoony, trippy type art, he seemed to have that with Wilmington Brew Works cans. So you can look that up. We also will have these images on our Instagram for you to see. 
some of the work. We'll also link and tag them in our posts so that you can find their Instagrams to see their works. Yeah, and give them a follow too. All right, on to our next segment, which is Reader's Advisory, where we discuss our book reviews for the month. First up is Liz. All right, and my book is Tumbleweeds by Leela Meacham, which I hinted to in the last podcast. It was on my TBR list, and boy, am I glad that it came up. I am a huge Leela Meacham fan. I read Roses and absolutely loved it. Tumbleweeds was no different. I am currently in a book hangover. Everything I've read since then, I just haven't been able to enjoy. I do want to go back to the world of Tumbleweeds and all the characters. A little synopsis of it. Three childhood friends who bonded over all being defined as an orphan in one way or another, whether the parents were around or not. One poorly made decision (laughs) affects them for the rest of their lives and they just, in a sense, can never recover. You are cheering for all the different characters. You don't end up hating one or the other. Even when you don't like your decision, you still wish that you could pull them aside and say, no, there's a better way. Don't do that. Throughout the book, there's there's all these jaw-dropping moments. Like she ends all of her chapters like, oh, and you yeah, have and to keep reading. You have to keep reading. I and, love that. And it's not because there's it's suspenseful or, you know, someone's, it's not a horror novel or, or anything like that, but just because something's happened in their lives. It's, you're so bonded you, with you the characters. You need to know, yeah. You have to know, yeah. And that's great because the book is very long. So you that's what you want in a it book so that long. long. She does write bricks and she needs that to add everything in there. And this is the second book that I... I've read of hers and I have to say again we just talk about beer can covers and it doesn't take away or make a beer better but her covers are so pretty so beautiful draw Jan if you were just browsing the bookshelf and you saw this on there you'd pull it it'd grab your eye if you were trying to merchandise it at the library you can easily do so it's absolutely stunning she has a way again as I said making you fall in love with the characters and takes you for a ride with them one minute you're cheering for them and the other you are yelling at them not to do something stupid they're young and even though they should know better they make bad decisions over and over again then trying to rectify one decision ends up being taken down a different path again it follows three friends who overcome adversity and start on a path of success and one bad decision turns into a series of bad decisions that shape their lives forever. Fun fact about Leela Meacham. She was 70 when she had her first book published. And that should teach you to never give up on your dreams. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. Sadly, we lost her in 2021. And again, there's a undertone of a lot of football in this. this is why I picked my beer that I did. And the pressures that go along with success in high school. And I know for myself my high school did not have a big football program. No. So there wasn't that much pressure. You weren't. Neither did Charter. We did have, I did have one person actually in my grade who did go to the NFL. Whoa. And I cannot, I know I can picture him in my mind, but I cannot think of his name, but I know that my father can and my brother is like, oh yeah, you know, you were in class with him and I Mm -hmm. can't, but I don't know. All that pressure that's on high schoolers. Like I know like down south where this book takes place. They do the two days. There's so much pressure and so much of your life success is based on your high school performance. And I just, that for me, is not where I would go. I, I, I wouldn't succeed in that type of pressure situation, but I've never loved something enough to want to practice that much or put my whole life on, I'll say on hold, but wrap my whole round, life around it. Did you, did you guys have a big football program in your high school or any sport that's hilarious charter no <laughs> no no but swimming was pretty big i, we I were, think yeah, our boys were undefeated for swimming 
girls are not. Fun fact, um, I was on the swim team at my high school because you had to either do swim uh, class in for gym credit or you had to be on the swim team. And I was on the swim team, but got credit because I was out for an injury. I broke a nail. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. That's classic Liz right there. So to recap, I recommend this book to anyone who just wants a book that's going to stick them into characters that you're going to love and hate at some time. You're going to be cheering for them. You're going to be yelling at them when you're done the book. You're going to be satisfied, but you're going to want to, you're going to wish that you could just stay within their world. She, Leela Meacham is just that talented of a writer. I look forward to reading the rest of her works. Uh, probably read them sooner rather than later. Oh, do you know how many more she has? Maybe about three that I have in my TBR list. Oh, I great. have Dragonfly, Somerset, and Titans. Ooh. All again with gorgeous covers. Ooh. Whoever does her covers, this. A++. Yes. Great. Work. I don't have any, any say in it, but I think you deserve a raise. I would give Tumbleweeds a 10 out of 10. I am going to keep my copy. I will put it in anyone's hand that I can and would love to revisit these characters in the future. So Sarah, what did you read for this month? Oh, the book that I read this month is called The Personal Librarian. It is by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. It's based on real life librarian Belle Marion Greener, who becomes Belle DeCosta Green, and she works as the personal librarian of J.P. Morgan. Belle is a light-skinned Black woman whose mother and siblings are passing as white to try to live a better life in the early 1900s in New York City. She has a complicated relationship with J.P. Morgan and is constantly worried about what might happen if someone discovers her true identity. So I chose to read this book because Nicole described it in our last episode for her Women's History Month picks. And I've been hearing about it for a while and it sounded super interesting when she described it. So I put it on hold after that episode and they're all true. All the good things that I've heard are true. It's very interesting. I really like it. I'm not really a historical fiction person. I, it's not my go-to, especially this particular time period. Yeah, I've never known you to be a historical fiction no. uh, person. So the fact that this is well-rated by you is very intriguing to me. Yes, I am enjoying it. You will also enjoy it when you read it later on. In it is in life. my TBR list. <laughs> yes. I found it to be really interesting and enjoyable. And I wanted to know more about Belle's life and what was going to happen. Was somebody going to find out her true identity or not? She's an intelligent, kind, and clever woman making strides in a white man's world. And this is based on a true story. She was a real person. So that makes it even more interesting. To oh, me. yeah. I thought the plot was interesting, but each chapter moved forward in time several months. So that was a little bit jarring to me. I was like, oh, where are we now? Where was I had to keep going back to the beginning of the previous chapter to see like, what month, what year was that? How far did we jump ahead? So that was, I don't like that part too much, but did each chapter, like, did it give you a chapter heading? So you knew that it was going to each, yeah. Each one started with like the, the date and the location. So where they were, I could just imagine listening to it. And also that's what sometimes when I listen to books, yeah. Having that problem. Yeah. And so I would have to keep going back to the previous chapter saying, well, how Far go, how long ago was that? How far did we jump? So that was like a little bit unnatural to me. But the book was written by two authors and I think they did a pretty good job. You couldn't notice like a disconnect or anything between the two. They worked really well together, that, I think. And okay, this is just me maybe not being super smart, but they used some words that I didn't know and I had to look some of them up. And that could have just been like, these are words that we used in 19, the 1900s and we don't use them anymore. So I had to look up some words. So I was like, 
It teaches you things, so. It teaches you things, yes. I learned a go. new word for really old books, but now I forget what that is. But when I see that word again, I will know. know what it means. Yes. You'll know. Come trivia. Yes. If there's ever a question, okay. she may or may not remember it from, <laughs> from this book. Exactly. And I would recommend this book to anyone who enjoys historical fiction or books about librarians. I didn't really know what kind of librarian she was before, like who she was the librarian for. There's a lot of like art collecting and getting rare books and making sure he has a really like exclusive library. That aspect is really cool too. I would love to be someone's personal librarian. If that's a job that anybody is looking to hire, I am, but call for me. five smiles a month, that could be your salary. Is that okay? Sure. I would okay, actually love, like if you gave me the keys to your house right now, and I was like, figure out my library. I would drop this podcast Yikes. like a hot potato and drive up there and get I absolutely love it I have my own so these girls know in my house I have one room that I say is my library and when I was buying a house I told my realtor I needed a room for a library and she thought I was just being a silly old first-time home buyer not really knowing like realities of buying a first home we don't really get all the extra rooms like no no I need it I get so much enjoyment of shifting my own personal library <laughs> to try to find room and seeing the new books that come on so you're your own personal library I am yes uh my salary is terrible guys <laughs> <laughs> zero benefits zero benefits you actually lose money doing the job yeah because you're buying new books or paying for them to be shipped home zero out of ten stars yeah. but I absolutely love my it is my happy room in my house mm -hmm. Okay, so for the personal librarian, I would give it six out of 10 stars because I did enjoy it. The story was interesting. I liked learning about Belle's life, but it wasn't the best written book that I've ever read. And the writing was a little repetitive at times, I would say. So that's my review. And Nicole, what did you read this month? So last podcast, I mentioned that I was going to be reading Legendborn by Tracy Dion. I was going to be reviewing that book. I was listening to it. It had amazing reviews. It won awards. I had people recommend it and TikTok recommended it. I couldn't get into it. I had a really difficult time with it. I don't know why necessarily. I've had a hard time getting into books for years at this point. As I got older in my life, it's not Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> well, was it fantasy? It was fantasy, and I've learned that I don't enjoy fantasy. Yeah, fantasy is hard for me too. I thought that I enjoyed it. I a long time ago, I would have told you it was my favorite genre. It's not. Uh, so I couldn't read it, and then I went through I think three or four other books, and could not get into them because I struggle with it at this point in my life. But one book that I did finish and I absolutely loved was Himawari House, which is a graphic novel by Harmony Becker. She, I did discuss this book in the last podcast very briefly because it won a Youth Media Award for oh. Asian Pacific American Award for Literature. So it won that award. And I understand why it was amazing. I'm not a graphic novel reader. I couldn't tell you how many I've read. So oh, this, this was a good book for me to read as a first one. I enjoy reading about other cultures and I enjoy learning about other cultures and experiencing other Same. cultures. <laughs> anyway, so this book takes place in, in Japan. It is about several characters and their experience living in Japan as expats, ultimately. The first character that we learn about, she grew, was born in Japan and she then moves to America as a small child where she never feels like she really fits in because she's Japanese. But ultimately, she ends up being American because when she goes back to Japan, she doesn't fit in either. She's half Japanese, half German-American. After she graduates from high school, she 
goes to live at Himawari House in Japan with four, I think, four other people who are also not Japanese. I think that two of them actually might be Japanese. It says the trio live together. Okay. There's so I don't know. You don't there's two men that live with her that I think are Japanese. I don't really know. Something that was hard for me was why she chose to, chose live, to live where, she, where lived. she lived. They don't, they don't really, really explain, explain it very well, well, but that could also be something I need to research on my own. It might be something that's common in Japan to live in a home with other people for whatever reason, because they're not college students either. She moved, She goes to Japan just to live somewhere that she was born to kind of experience the culture. Reconnect, yeah. Uh, she lives with someone from Singapore and she lives with someone from Korea. And both of those characters are there to learn Japanese before they go to a Japanese university. So they're also not Japanese and they don't have much experience with Japan, but they want to live there. They enjoy the culture. They enjoy the language. So that was really interesting to me. And then two other characters, I think that our Japanese might be trying to learn English and that's why they're there. It follows along in their experiences living in Japan and learning the language. What's really cool about this book, what I really enjoyed about this book is when they're speaking a different language, the characters of their language is above it and underneath it is English. So you oh, get to, awesome. yeah, so you get to see what their language looks like compared to what I would understand in English. That was pretty cool. What drew me to read this book, what I, I just kept picking it up. It was, it's thick. It only took me two days to read. It wasn't that hard of a read. I Because I enjoyed it so much, I couldn't put it down. Uh, I came home from work and read it two days in a row and finished it. And then I, I feel like I had a book hangover after it because I yeah. did really enjoy it. And it made me want to pick up some more graphic novels. Well, that's the the beauty of a graphic novel is you can read them very quickly. Yeah. And you said it was in two different languages, that book? I think it's in several languages. One of the characters is Korean. So some of the time the characters, like the Korean characters are above the English words and it will be a Korean character and not a Japanese character. So if someone yeah. was doing the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge, one of the prompts is to read a book in more than are two or more languages so this would be a good option for that oh it'd be perfect for oh, it see, there you go cool. that's yeah. also good so yeah. <laughs> i like that because you can tell when they're speaking not english yes yeah because often it's it's hard to tell the difference like especially in a graphic novel yeah like when they're speaking a different language so that's really cool i like the way they did that. and besides picking it up because i kept seeing it on the shelf i picked it up because it had won that award that i discussed last podcast i i was like oh, I keep seeing it and it won an award I think it's time for me to read it yeah. and I'm, I'm very happy that I did I don't regret it I would recommend this book to someone who enjoys reading about different cultures experiencing different cultures I felt like I was in Japan when I was reading this oh, cool. I got a really good idea of what it's like to be a foreigner in a different country uh sure. so out of 10 stars I would give this book eight I didn't like the ending the ending it just ends it ends. I wanted more. I want to do it. <laughs> I wanted to know what happens to the characters after it ends. And you're not meant to know what happens to the characters after the end. It's not the purpose of the book wasn't to see what their life is like afterwards. That's not the purpose. So I think that it ended the way it was supposed to, but because of who I am, I wanted more. You want more. I want more. So I really did enjoy this book. If you read it, let us know. In this next segment of our podcast, uh, we're moving on to our holds list, which is where we each recommend two books for you to read based on the theme that we pick out 
each month. But before we get into that, we have a listener recommendation. Uh, She's a library patron that we all know and love. Her Women's History Month recommendation is Black Cake. It's got strong female characters and lots of scenes in the island. So she said it's a very good winter book. And so that's one she wanted to recommend. If you have recommendations for us, you can send them in to us. You can send us a message on our Instagram or you can comment them as well on on our Instagram posts. We do also have a Gmail if you would like to send them into our Gmail. It's booksontapped at gmail.com. The same title as our podcast if you need spelling recommendation for that yeah so send those in to us we would love to to share those with our listeners this month's theme (laughs) is i love my library where we're celebrating books about librarians and libraries because national library week takes place in april so liz what are your two recommendations my first book is a classic that i hope everyone's read it is a time traveler's wife by audrey neffenegger i absolutely love the book I surprisingly also love the movie. I just recently watched a TV series that was originally on HBO. I absolutely loved it. I can't really even say that it was closely tied to the book, but I didn't even care. Theo James was in it, and he didn't skip ab, butt, leg, thigh, anything day at the gym. Don't want to say too much because it is weird because he's a married man, but it was very distracting. I highly liked it. I wish that the series was renewed. But the book is very good. I've read the book too, and I really love it. The book is really good. I highly recommend it. I remember loving the book, and he is a librarian in the book. A time-traveling librarian. That's like goals. That's life goals right there. And the second book I'm recommending, I'm cheating a little because I just love the book so much, is Tumbleweeds, which was my Reader's Advisory book. One of the characters is a librarian and many of the scenes. Yeah. Several scenes end up in a library. And again, I just love the book so much that I had to give it two shout outs in one podcast. (laughs) Sarah, what what are, uh, what is your, your recommendations for the month? My recommendation, um, the first one is called Love Overdue by Pamela Morsi. It's a romance novel, which I never read, but again, (laughs) Nicole recommended this book to me after she read it. The cover was very cute. It had like a girl standing on a library step stool and it was very cute and it drew me in. It's a, it's a cute little story. I'd recommend it if you need one of those. And my other recommendation is called The Midnight Library by Matt Haight. It is about a library that is between life and death, and you have a chance to make things right in your life if you have the chance to visit it. So the main character, Nora, goes through many different scenarios and possible lives, lives, and it's it was really good. I loved it and was recommending it to everyone after I read it a couple years ago. So That sounds really good. I knew I wanted to include it. And we did see him talk at an author event for his book, How to Stop Time. And he seems like a very nice person. So what are your recommendations, Nicole? I am presently listening to The Paris Library by Janet Skeslin Charles. So I recommend this book. It takes place during World War II. I don't, at where I am at in the book, it has not been, you know, war times yet, but they are anticipating it. And it goes between a librarian in like 1939 is where I'm at in the book right now. And a like 12 year old in the 1980s. And we don't know yet, but I think she's talking to the librarian from the 1930s, but in the 1980s, you, you kind of get that sense that that's who the 12 year old is talking to. And I think we're going to learn a little bit about 
World War II from the time that it was happening and from the 12 year old's perspective in the 80s. So I do recommend it. I like it so far. The other book I recommend is The Library of Lost and Found by Phaedra Patrick. I haven't read this book yet. But I do know it was a book club choice in my library. And I asked the librarian who hosted the book club what the members thought of it. He said that they thought it was a really cozy novel. This book is about a librarian that gets a fairy tales novel delivered to her doorstep and the mysterious death of her grandmother. The the fairy tale novel that she gets has a note from her grandmother. So Ooh. it is a mystery. It, it is cozy. Good. And it sounds really good. It's on my TBR list. All right. So our next and last segment is check out where we discuss what we're reading now and say our goodbyes for the month. Liz, what are you reading? My next up is Goal by Chris Cleef. Very popular at the library when I was working there. It's also going to satisfy one of the book prompts for the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge. Color in the title. Ooh. Or it could also do the one about a sport. I see that it has to do with cycling. So I'm looking forward to that. Don't think I've read any of its other novels, so I'm interested to go to. And just, you know, a little recap on my beer. I have finished my Big Stitch Nick. It is one of the better pale ales that I've had. Would have preferred an IPA just in general, but I wanted to, again, keep with the football theme. Because that was now. my book, but again, highly recommend. I just finished The Personal Librarian, so I'm not currently reading anything. But one of the books we discussed today may be next on my list because... Every time I hear about a book, I'm like, oh, gotta read it. And Nicole, last but not least, what are you reading right now? I'm currently reading Lunar Love by Lauren Kung Jensen. It is about a woman who is in charge of a matchmaking business. And she is in competition with someone who makes an, an app for oh, dating. Is it a man? It is a man. Is she going to fall in love with him? I'm halfway through this book and I can promise you she's going to fall in love with <laughs> It's very predictable. It's cute. It's an easy read. I finished half of it last night because I, I love those. kind of wanted to review it for today, but I didn't finish it in time. But I don't, you wouldn't have gotten a good response from me about it. It's cute. It is cute. I recommend reading it. It looks very cute. But it's not heavy. It's not, it, I'm probably It's a gonna... nice light read. It is. Thank you. I was going to say that I will probably forget that I read it in three years, but it is a nice light read if you enjoy those. Those are my favorite types of books to read. Most of the time I am reading something that is just easy. If I'm going to read something in my downtime, I want to see something that is easy to digest. And this book is very easy to to digest. Excellent. Maybe I will review it next time. Yeah. Well, if you read any of the books that we talked about today or have any recommendations for our National Library Week theme, please let us know in the comments. Yeah, I do. We do really want to hear that so that we can discuss it next month. So we will put that up on our Instagram. What is your recommendation for National Library Week? What books have you read that take place in a library or have a librarian as a main character or just mention libraries in general? We want to hear about it. You can comment that on our instagram or you can email us yeah. or any way that you can contact us you are welcome to do so excellent thank you so much for listening to episode two of books on tapped we hope you check us out next month but until then happy reading bye <laughs>